Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we um, we take a deep dive into all of the records from whatever band or artist we're doing. And this week we're doing Red Hot Chili Peppers. So we're going to take that dive into all 11 of their records, or actually 12, I guess, uh, because we're splitting Stadium Arcadium up into two. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to get into our Six Degrees of Tom DeLonge. And uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And uh, that's all I got for the boring intro. So, oh, and my name's Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Now we're done with the boring <sighs> intro. So, uh, you don't have anything for your Six Degrees of Tom DeLong, do you? This was a lot of work already this week. True. I went kind of an easy route, but I have one, because I did my homework. You probably did Frushante. Who would you do? Go ahead. Six Degrees of Tom DeLong. Uh, Jeff obviously didn't do his homework, so, uh, so I added, so I did one. Okay. Uh, but like you said, it was a long week. I, I hope you can hear me okay, Jeff. Can you hear me I can okay? Be fine. Now? Okay, so we had we had to restart the segment because Jeff uh, fucked up. So that's yeah, my fault. That you're in sucks. <laughs> so with uh, with the, the six degrees, I decided to go the kind of the producer route, but uh, not using John Feldman because that's way too easy. So uh, so we start with Michael Beinhorn. Beinhorn. I don't really know how you pronounce his last name. He, uh, he produced the Red Hot Chili Peppers record, Uplift, Uplift Mofo Party, and Mother's Milk. Michael Beinhorn also produced a corn record in 2001 called Untouchables. You remember that record, Jeff? Yes, I do. That's your favorite record, right? It's fantastic. <laughs> Same guy. Isn't that weird? Same guy who did that record did those two Chili Peppers. It is, it is very bizarre considering my rankings because Untouchables, oof. <laughs> you fucking loved it. Uh, so we go from Corn to Ross Robinson. Obviously, they put out three amazing records together. Uh, Ross Robinson also produced a used record from like 2014 or 2015. Uh, the used have also, you know, on their last record that they put out 2019, I think it was, Mark Hoppus was on one of those songs called Lighthouse or something like that. And then Mark to Tom. So do you remember that mm. Lighthouse song from the used? I don't. You don't. It's like it's it's easily the worst song Mark <laughs> has ever done. Ever. Oh, it's it's so it is so god awful. The worst song he's ever been a part of. And he's been a part wow. of some pretty shitty songs. So uh, it's a very bad song. Uh, okay. Oh god, right. <laughs> disgusting song. So um, there you go. That's my that's my one six degrees of Tom DeLonge, because I'm the only one who decided to do my homework. Um, it was a long fucking week. There was so much chili peppers. <laughs> I know this. This one I just did in that just did in my mind because that was a good place to do it. And it wasn't so even until like like fucking I don't know. I guess I'll say it later. But it wasn't even until like much later in their albums that I realized that I've been listening to the like expanded versions and shit on Spotify. The extra songs. <laughs> Why it's would like, you do that? Because I, I just threw them on. Oy, you always got to check. I always check. So annoying. And like, so every fucking album I listen to is over an hour. Well, ev- every one of their albums is like 50 minutes to an hour and five minutes. Anyway. Yeah, then added like so two, three more on bonus like tracks. Track. Yeah, we're, yeah, that's 15 fucking minutes. minutes, 20 minutes times 25 <laughs> albums. I mean, that's, you know, that's two days. 
<laughs> yeah, two days, yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's get into the records. Let's start ranking them. And like I said, they the band have put out 11 records, but Stadium Arcadium is a double album, so we decided to split that up much like we did with the Outcast, Speaker Box, and Love Below, because one side is definitely better than the other. I let's sure fucking hope that it's the same side. <laughs> I hope so, too. I really hope so. I'm going to be so pissed at you. Whew. Okay, so let's start with our number 12. Uh, what do you think is the worst Red Hot Chili Peppers album? Go. This is the reason why I wanted to split up Stadium Arcadium. It's fucking ah. Jupiter. The first half of Stadium Arcadium. Ah. I, okay. I, I, dude, my biggest problem with this is its lack of musical identity. Musically, it's just mush chili peppers. It's run-of-the-mill stuff that was put together to sell an album. It's vanilla. It's forgettable. They created this entire brand for this stupid fucking album. Artwork and box sets and hour-long track-by-track breakdowns. All of this shit is fucking boring because the first half of Stadium Arcadium is bad. And this is the only thing that I think that Chili Peppers have done that I thought was like, wow, this is fucking bad. Everything Everything else after this is at least listenable once to get a feel for where they're going, where they've been. It's entertaining, but this was just bad. Bad, bad, bad. Honestly, the only thing I can even I can even I can even think that's like a banger is especially in Michigan. It's it's really mm-hmm. the only standout track, and it's not just like Omar solo, but like Frusciante, his guitar tone the whole time goes from abrasive and jarring to sweet and calming. He just throws out some cool vocal parts sometimes, and it's a solid song. But dude, Stadium Arcadium, Jupiter Part One, half the first half, <laughs> that was bad. That was god awful. It was rough. Ooh, okay. So especially in Michigan is your is your BB your biggest banger from Jupiter. Jupiter, right? Yeah. What was that from? Was that from like all that? <laughs> yeah, it was Kel. From right? Keenan and Kel. Was it? Yeah. yeah it okay, that's Kel. what it was. You got like Jupiter. It was something so dumb like that because that was what I was thinking in my mind too. That's a great place to think. Um, <laughs> wow, that's annoying. Jupiter. <laughs> yep. Why would he say that? It's so stupid. I don't remember why you even said that. Wow, that was that's very stupid. All right, so my number twelve, my least favorite uh, Chili Peppers record is also Jupiter, the first uh, part of Stadium Arcadium. This is a terrible record. I, outside of two songs, which I think are really great songs, that being Snow, and especially in Michigan, dude, the the album. I mean, Danny California is probably. I mean, it's not the worst song that they put out single wise. But it's like bottom three for sure. Um, but yeah, th- this is so forgettable. And I agree with you. This is just th- this album. This part of the album is only there to sell records. It's there for the vanillas. And uh, they do have a lot of vanilla stuff anyway. But this is like the most vanilla of the vanilla outside of those two songs, which because Snow, that that guitar riff part is just it's so cool. It sounds so cool. And then especially in Michigan, his guitar tone is awesome. It it's very unconventional for even the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I mean Omar's on it. My boy Omar, come on! The only thing that could be cooler than Omar on one of these songs is Corn. You know, that's really the only thing that could be cooler. That would actually probably sound really together. cool. Yeah, that would probably yeah, sound really cool. So weird. They've never, never ever worked together. But uh, yeah, so my two favorites, like I said, Snow, and especially in Michigan. Even though the lyrics in the the, the latter song is just so they're so bad. 
oh, I hate the lyrics so much. And and then I catch myself singing it, and then I get mad at myself because I think these lyrics are horrendous. Oh, terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. so bad. Lions and tigers. It's I just naming the animals. Stop naming animals. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not yeah. cool. It sounds stupid. No, it's not. It's stupid. So that's my number 12. What do you got for number 11? Go. All right. Number 11. The, from now on, it was at least interesting. I, I, I would never go back to this album, but that's that's their self-titled, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, 1984. And okay. Uh, okay. this was just dumb. Like this was This was a bunch of talented musicians trying to make a sound that wasn't really a thing. It's rough around the edges, and really the only person who shines is Flea. And they seem to write songs around yeah. him being in the forefront. And that's super fucking lame. They write songs to where <laughs> everything builds up to like a break, and then it's just Flea going nuts on the bass. And that's fucking pathetic. That's just lame. That's boring. That's not fun. That's not inventive writing. That's just leaning on a guy that's really, really good at playing one instrument. And I have no bangers <laughs> because I will never listen to this album again. But it was interesting, at least. Okay. All right, my number 11 is also the self-titled, their first record. Uh, I thought it was a boring album, and uh, all of this, the songs kind of bleed into one another. I couldn't really tell the difference between certain songs. It was just a lot of the same stuff. Not to say it was bad, because the musicianship was all there. It was all very good, but the songwriting wasn't. And what was what's weird to me about this uh, this album, so the guitar player at the time wasn't even their original guitar player, because Hillel had already left. And so they got this guy named Jack Sherman. And for what it's worth, I you know, obviously the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like a crock of shit. It's stupid. But if you looked at if you look at the members who have who were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, everybody uh, but Jack Dave? Sherman. Everybody but Dave and Jack Sherman. Out of the people who actually recorded albums with the band. Dumb. So Dave Navarro, dumb. who obviously should. I mean, he's gonna get in there with Jane's addiction anyway, without a doubt. But he should but be in there. With Red Hot Chili Peppers. He should, he should absolutely. Be he was on One Hot Minute, which sold like over 8 million copies. How the fuck does he not get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And Jack Sherman, he was, you know, he was, I mean, on their first fucking really like album. This. He was on their first fucking album that they toured on extensively. You know, it's just so weird. Why Why get these two guys out? But then, but then they induct Josh Klinghoffer, who at the time had only been in the band for like three years. And I think they had, he had just put out his first record with the band. Stupid. Like, what? It, it makes, makes no sense. No and, sense. No sense. And at that's all. no disrespect to Josh because Josh is a great guitar player and a great songwriter in some instances. But yeah, not to have Jack Sherman, it just <laughs> the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a fucking joke. Dude. It's a complete it's joke. It's insane, yeah. and it's I don't know. It's I can't even begin to fathom how they how they pick and choose people. I mean. I can maybe understand the Dave Navarro because he's obviously going to get in there with Jane's Addiction if he's not already. But still, but the he dude did sold more. He did more for the Chili records. Peppers than, than Sherman did, though. Even if we're talking yeah, about that, yeah, it's true for sure. And he was even he was even in the band longer than Hillel was, because I think Navarro was in it for five, and Hillel was maybe in it for four. And even in those four years, he was only he was gone for like a year of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, Hillel is a great guitar. He was a great guitar player, but I don't think he was that great. I think no. he's a little overrated, honestly. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, what, that's my number eleven. What do you got for number ten? Number ten's Freaky Styly, nineteen eighty-five. Okay. The one right after their their self-titled Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is definitely a step up from their first. 
but they're still just kind of, I don't know, I still feel like they're leaning on Flea and just a heavy funk sound. It's fine. It Honestly, it just sounds like cut-rate Funkadelic. I, I just don't hear anything great coming from the original guitarist and drummer. I, I feel it's just basic stuff. It's not bad stuff. It's just basic stuff. It's just run-of-the-mill stuff, nothing iconic, nothing's happening here to where it makes me think, like, holy shit, these guys are going to be eventually what they will become. Nothing here. It's just cut rate. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Black Eyed Blonde, I chose this because Flea's bass playing is unreal in this. It's so fast. It's so precise. And at, at times, which he'll do later on, he's like a helicopter. Sometimes when he's going that fast, he's like... It just sounds like a fucking helicopter. And that's the only... That's the best way I can describe some of his really fast, kind of like Chica bass playing. It's just... it's It's... Metronome sounding. It's it's unreal. Yeah. He was yeah. so fucking good since the beginning. But freaky styley, eh? Disappointing. Number ten. Okay, so my number ten is also freaky styley. Get the so fuck out of here. We are. I know this is pretty crazy. I I didn't think our rankings would be anywhere close to each other, but wow. Okay, so yeah, freaky styley is my number ten, and uh, this is this too, because this was produced by George Clinton, who is obviously famous for Parliament Funkadelic. All that good stuff, kind of the king of funk, really, Godfather of yeah, funk, for sure. And uh, and kind of the story behind this record, I thought was interesting. They all flew out to Michigan, recorded it at his house. They partied constantly with him. Which can you imagine when you're nineteen, twenty years old, and you're partying with like your idol, essentially? Yeah, that must be unreal. Like snorting coke, like doing coke, and just getting fucked up. That I and mean, it must still, have been fucking and, insane. And, and George Clinton was still young at this time. So he wasn't yeah, <laughs> like the old guy that we see in like 2010. Like he was still a young dude. He was probably was like probably early 30s. Parting. Yeah. Probably early, probably our age, early so, to mid 30s. So he has like enough money to buy like the good shit, but he's still kind of old enough to, to realize I can take a step back and let these young fucks just go hog wild. And with this one, I listening to it, I, I think it's a really good record, but it sounds like, it sounds like George Clinton took all the, the songs they he didn't use for Parliament Funkadelic and gave it to the Peppers and said, just play these songs on the record. You know, it, it sounds like a Parliament record. That's exactly what it sounds like. And it's good. It's I don't know how often I'd ever go back to it unless I was really in that mood. But then I, I'll just listen to Parliament. It's cool. My, my favorite song is Black Eyed Blonde as well. It's a fast funk. It's a very fast funk song. And I'm with you with Flea on that one. He's he's unreal on this song. It's the only song that really stood out to me from everything else. And like I said, the rest of the album is not bad, but you know what you're getting yourself into, especially if you're familiar with George Clinton stuff. Yeah. So good stuff. But then, oh, dude, we we can go on for a while about Anthony Kiedis and his drug use. I mean, it was, the dude was insane. But we'll get into that in the main episode. Yeah. Um, so what's your number nine? Go. Uh, my number nine is, or keep it in line, I guess, the Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Okay. All right. This is another step up in the right direction of where I personally would like them to go. It was definitely more fun than their first two. And it didn't, this is the first one that didn't seem to rely on Flea. He wasn't now being thrust as a, instead of a guitar solo, an iconic drum thing. It was just, hey, let's put Flea in the middle. But now it's like they're actually writing music. They're, they're, the melodies are getting better. The band themselves are getting better at writing music together. So. It was uh, it was it was fine. I enjoyed this album more than the first two. 
I didn't have any song here that I playlist. And this is the one where we're, we're Slovak. What do you call him? Slovak? Slovak? Hello, Slovak. Hello, Slovak. He would go on to, to OD after this album came out. And uh, it pretty much destroyed the Peppers at this point. Yeah. And, and it was it was quite possible that the Peppers would not survive his death in the departure of their drummer afterwards. And so this, this album is pretty much like the culmination of, of all of them kind of at their worst, just, just mentally and in a, in a space where like impending death is coming. So that's this heavy, heavy drug usage, Ketis, heavy, heavy drug usage. And, um, I don't know. It's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No banger off this one, right? No. No bangers. Okay. So this is where we veer off from our rankings. I don't agree with you. Uh, my number nine is actually One Hot Minute. I don't know if I didn't really care for this album that much because I had higher expectations for it because I wanted something different. I was burnt out on Blood Sex, Sugar Magic. I was just totally burnt out on that, that funk style. And you get to One Hot Minute and the first song, Warped, Dude, that that song is so fucking good. I was blown away by that song. It has everything you want from the Chili Peppers, but they made it like much heavier and faster. Like it, it, it just it was such this cool combination of Jane's Addiction, the heaviness of the heaviest parts of Jane's Addiction with Chili Peppers. It was a perfect song, honestly. That is a perfect song. Warped is, but then after that, it it drops significantly, very fast. It just gets so boring, and there's no, there aren't that to me there aren't that many great parts. And reading more about the backstory, I mean, I always thought Dave Navarro kind of kind of got the shit under the stick. But then when you think about it, dude, they fucking hired another guy who was a heroin addict, and no full blown knowing that he was a heroin addict and just abused a shit ton of drugs. They still hired him, and they didn't get along at all in the studio. Like creatively, <laughs> they did not get along at all. They hated him. They hate they because they they didn't work together at all. They totally different songwriting styles. I don't even know why they made this record. It was stupid. Oof. It's really not that Oof. great. It's really, it just it, like okay. they had all the cards stacked against them. Like I understand this record sold a shit ton, but I think a lot of that was because the last record was so successful. It was arguably well, it wasn't their biggest selling record, but it was up there. Otherwise, one hot minute after you get after you get done with that first song. There are very few moments that are really good after that. But that first song, man, Warped is just such a killer song. I love that song. Okay. Okay. But I'm I'm curious what you think about actually this entire record, but really that song if that's even your biggest banger, which it should be. All right. But I don't know. What do you got for number eight? Number eight is Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, it's that's fucking low. I was fucking surprised because this is this is the Chili Peppers. This is what people think the Chili Peppers are. This is what they think the the greatest. You just fucking Google best Chili Peppers album. This is in eight out of the ten lists you'll hear or see or read. This is the number one, and it's a solid album. I really think it's a solid album. And we have just transcended into the ones. Now we're like pretty much in the twos. I would say we're in the twos. Okay. Blood Sugar Sex okay. Magic, I think, is a solid album. My biggest problem with this is I think Ketis is taking a step into his iconic sound that he's developing, and he's still developing in here. And I don't hate Ketis as much as you do, but I think that he's super annoying on this. I don't hate him, 
again, but mm-hmm. I think his melodies dumb down the music. I think instrumentally, the music is fucking fantastic here. It is unbelievable. It is on point. It is tight. Everybody is jamming with each other in a way that they've never done before. But I think Kiedis is is out of his out of his element. I think he's I think he's the 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 black sheep. I think he's the 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 weak link. And unfortunately, he's just going to be the loudest because he's the vocalist. He's the singer. So that's the reason why I think this uh, this album is so low. I I definitely would not buy this on vinyl, even even if it was like really cheap, even if it was original pressing. I would not buy this because I don't think it's I don't think it's that great. I have seven other albums after this. I think are better than this. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why the fuck this is this actually I do know why the fuck this is popular. This is popular because you know the suck my kiss is so Ugh. iconic. It's such a fucking it's such a cool thing. But under the bridge is my favorite from this album. Under the bridge is so cool. Oh my god, dude! Under the bridge is solid. It has an amazing guitar part. I think it is such a well crafted song. Kedis's vocals for sure. Like if you just took his vocals out entirely and just gave me like just the guitar. I would love that song. I'm, I would just love it so, so, so much because the guitar tells you a story from beginning to end. It builds, it goes up and it goes down. It's an amazingly well-crafted song. I love it. <laughs> but, but give me Under the Bridge without Kiedis oh. and I'll die happy. That's, uh, that's quite the statement. Did you, ever see, did you ever see Frusciante do Under the Bridge? On, on SNL? Yeah, when he purposely yes. fucked it up. I wanted to talk about that too. That's what I was going to talk about when I got to this album. <laughs> when you get to the so album, good. we'll talk about it. When you get to the okay. album, we'll talk about it. Hopefully right, it's next because right. it's well, not that we'll great see. an album. <laughs> so my number eight here is Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic. So you're right. Fifth album. This is uh, the song. I mean, this song, this song. This album was so, so disappointing. It was, uh, it was because of Anthony Kiedis. I, I I agree with you on that. He was he was way too loud, and you know, Rick Rubin is very he produces the first record he produced for the Peppers, and he's very um, he's known for like turning the vocals up loud or focusing a lot on vocal melody rather than anything else really. Like that's his main intention is vocal melody and lyrics, and it shows. It really shows on this record because, like you said, he he. This is his signature sound, but he was still very new at it, so it was extra annoying. Extra, extra annoying. Yes. And sonically, I think it sounds great. Like, take his vocals out, this album could be just so fucking amazing. Like, most of the records. You take Kiedis out, as an instrumental record, all these records, oh my god, they'd be so fucking good. But damn, he really really destroyed this record. And um, this is a sub two, so... Anybody listening, if you, if you don't know, we have a three-point rating system, our world-famous three-point rating system, where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album, give it a shot, and zero is just a trash fire. So, yeah, this is a sub-two for me. I would never get it on vinyl. I'm never going to go back and listen to this record. Even the singles, I don't even like the singles. I think Under the Bridge is one of the worst songs I've ever done. It's the only <laughs> song that's... <laughs> Because they have a lot of boring songs, like a, like a lot of boring songs, which you know you can just you can get through and not be annoyed. They're just boring. But there are two songs that I won't even listen to, and this is one of them. And Soul the to other, Squeeze, probably. And Soul oh, to Squeeze, oh, yeah. Soul God. to Squeeze, Soul to Squeeze is their worst song. 
without a doubt their worst song. You're, that's crazy, They're, boy talk. Even worse than Danny California, which is the no, third No, come worst. on. Okay, take it easy. Take it. Let's not say things we're going to regret. <laughs> Danny California. The only thing that makes Danny California higher than these two songs is that guitar solo because the guitar solo in Danny California is really good. Danny California that, is pathetic. When they play Danny California, I just I think like I want to I want to sit there in 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 the <laughs> box and then be like, "Wow. After all these years, that's what you just fucking did? Just go home." That's pathetic. <laughs> At least sold it, a squeeze on the bridge or our our our, our uh, I don't know. Of its time and and kind of of its place, that's fine. I like both of the songs. I think I think Soul to Squeeze is fantastic. I know you do, but it, you're wrong. And what, so reading a little bit about this, the making of this record, which there's actually a lot written about it, but uh, they were they they locked themselves in the mansion, the Houdini the mansion, for a mansion. month. Yeah, oh yeah. And and supposedly it was the most creative they've ever been. You know, they all just had it was just like this huge like awakening for the band. And it's I'm publicity. Thinking, but then they put this out, like, for being so creative and supposedly great. I don't know why they would put this record out. It's, uh, it's not very People good. People fucking love this, though. They I know. Love I don't this. get it. They gush over this. I swear to God, it's unreal. I know. I don't understand it. Do you understand it? No. This was the biggest, like, like spit soda out of my mouth down. type of, of, of epiphany I had this week was, like, this is it? Because I, I liked this album like in high school and shit. I thought this was good. This is not very good. Exactly. I'm this with is you on that. Dumb. It, it's not a great. It's not a good record. Really, it's not. I think this is. People have been duped. People honestly have been duped. Yeah. <sighs> it's terrible. Terrible. It's it's the All marketing. Right. It's the fucking cover. It's it's that that four way. Everyone's eating the back of the person in front of them's head cover, and it's 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 all marketing. I think a lot of it too was. Because they they had a, the couple hits off of Mother's Milk, I feel like MTV and and K Rock and like the big radio stations, they really just took these songs and just played them so much. I mean, I we even saw that in two thousand five or whenever Stadium Arcadium came out. Danny California, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard that song on the radio. Like at the time, and then even you know a few years ago when I was listening to the radio a lot because of work, they would play Danny California maybe once an hour like maybe every two hours but at least once an hour they would play danny california on k-rock and this was in 2017 you know 11 10 11 years later this makes sense too that it was so popular because 91 we're getting like the birth of like grunge and and other heavier music and then this drops and like the whole suck my kiss thing is that's so dumb but it is really, really different, but it's not different because they've been doing it for the past, you know, seven years. But it yeah. is different to like the mainstream. And Under the Bridge is a really well crafted pop song. It's solid. I mean, yeah, guitar wise, it is guitar fucking fantastic. Really great. And it melody wise, it's any part of that song will hook you. The first time you hear it, Under the Bridge will hook you no matter what. It's just, I just wish it was presented differently or not present, just sung by a different person. It could be a truly, I mean, it is an iconic song, unfortunately, but if it was sung by somebody else, I think it could just be on an, on another level. Like that, that shows you how good the song is, but Ketis to me just kills that, just destroys the song. Ugh, God, I, I just, I love, I still love that intro, just that guitar. Just the bum, <laughs> bum, ding, 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 do, 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 do. 
Oh, it's so good. And it's really good. No, so the guitar, good. The guitar is the best part of that song. And then that kind of leads us into what we mentioned earlier with the SNL performance. Right before John, this is like two weeks before John Frusciante left the band the first time. They were on SNL, played the song, and Frusciante decided to just fuck around and play whatever the fuck he wanted out of key, out of time. It's and bad. It's so, like, it's, I feel it's bad terrible. for Kita's too. I really do feel bad yeah. for Kita because that's a dick move. That is such a dick move. And you can clearly yeah. hear Kitas try and keep up. And then, like, Chad joins in, right? Because Chad has to start the drums at some point. And he's just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. And it's so bad. It was a for mess. Shanti's, I mean, that was a low point for Shanti's, one of the low points of Shanti's life. And it's but just, he knew what he was doing as well. Yeah. He, it's he just, knew because he. It's a very dick move, though. He's good enough to know what he's doing. And he was, it was definitely sabotage. Like 100% sabotage. Like he purposely it. played out a key and <laughs> just so terribly. I know you planned it. I'm going to set it straight. This Watergate. <laughs> but, and then when you think about it, too, I think he was, what, 17 when he joined the band? So yeah. at this point, he was 19 or 20 years old. The dude was young and yeah. thrown into this massive amount of fame and money. And, you know, his heroin use had just begun. And I mean, he was a fucking mess, but that performance they, they, was... They were all still a fucking mess. Yeah, and, no, they were. For they sure. Were. Like, like to, I mean... When I say that was a, that was a dick move on his part, I mean it was a dick move on the Chili Peppers' part to think that this kid, who has really no experience touring with a band of this stature, and and using drugs as heavily as a band of this stature would would fit in and not succumb to his addiction, is silly boy talk. It's it's yeah. I don't know. It's it's bad friendship. Oh yeah, I all agree. around. I there agree. there the the nineties were a very very bad time for the Chili Peppers. <laughs> But also the one of some of the best times for them. And yeah, <laughs> no, eh, well, you know, you know, from from no, this yeah, record yeah, yeah, up through yeah. Californication, mm-hmm. three like you know records that blew up. I mean, One Hot Minute, not that great of a record, but it was still huge for them. Nope. So it was a great decade, but also terrible personally for them. Yeah. And then I don't know if you read. I just thought this is like a, f- a little interesting fact when when they were I guess like right when they started touring this record. They, um, <clears throat> they had, or they, I think they were playing in Australia, and then Chad Smith went scuba diving, or something yeah. like that. He got, bit, got, he got attacked by a eaten shark, by a hammerhead. Yeah, and part of his arm. What was it? I think it was part of his arm, right? Got ripped off from big the old chunk of it. It was a hammerhead, yeah. but a hammerhead a three like they like the little fucking tiny mouths. Do you ever see the cartoons yeah. with the hammerheads? <laughs> they got little tiny mouths, but they're one of the most vicious sharks in the ocean. They can't even see straight. <laughs> like, come on <laughs> yeah it's pretty fucking wild but anyway there's another fun fact i want to talk about but we'll get it get into that once we get into mother's milk so okay. um so yeah anyway that's our number eight what do you got for number seven jeff Go. uh number seven is the other half of stadium arcadium the Mars. get your ass to Mars half <laughs> okay again <laughs> this is the uh the 2006 this is the 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 big huge extravagant things so some some parts of this were more straightforward rock inspired that's why i liked it there were just there were more heavier songs here than on jupiter obviously mm-hmm. and it was just slightly better overall than jupiter because of the various genres that they did even though they kind of barely delve into some of these genres but i just thought like this was good and then 
as you listen to like this half of the album, about halfway through this half of the album, you realize, holy fuck, these album these songs are getting better and better and better. And the later part mm. of this half, this gets like really, really good. And it's all got it ties together this really cool spacey vibe, but it throws down really, really heavy instrumentals. Some of the heaviest they've done in a very, very long time. And I remember listening to the first half and I just I was so burnt out. I was so done. I took a break and I came back and I threw this one on and I said, okay, this is already better. And I was doing other things. And then I stopped what I was doing about halfway through this. And I just kind of like, holy fuck, dude, this is really, really good. And like the song, if, if this had Mm -hmm. like that song, it had really cool melancholy, kind of like a Celtic folk thing going on. And it was just such a great melody and it didn't annoy me. And Ketis wasn't super obnoxious and everything about this song is what like kind of really got my attention. And this came in about like the 60% time of when this album was ending. And after this song, it was pretty much just like banger after banger after banger. So that was like the catalyst of when I really, really sat down and thought, holy shit, this is way, this is exponentially better than Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, Jupiter. So, uh, Stadium Arcadium, Jupiter. Mars side. That's that's my number seven. Number seven. And what was your biggest banger? If. Oh, if was that's right. Yeah, yeah. If. Okay, so my number seven is the getaway. So at this point, we're at the twos. So two out of three here on out. The getaway. I think this is a really good record. It's more electronic based. Uh, this is the the second record that Josh Klinghoffer played on, wrote for, uh, also the last with him in the band because he was fired last year. And um, oh, this, part of ways. Yeah, but I heard him on a podcast, like almost like on the Mark Marin podcast, he was talking about like, yeah, he was pretty much fired. Like he kind of has John a, back. Eh, it's still kind of fucked. I mean, the guy, I don't know. It's, it's just all kind of messed up. Almost 10 years with the band and they drop you like that messed up did you but snap I, I, you snapped i did oh, snap you, you, you hear me snap? snap i heard you snap yes <laughs> i heard you snap <laughs> i heard you snap <laughs> um so they, they they decided to not work with rick rubin after like 20 years and they worked with danger fine mouse by me. yeah I'm, i was totally fine with it too some of those records were amazing but yeah it's it was time to do something a bit different and they went with danger mouse who tends to take more of like a electronic almost like r&b sensibility with the music and you hear it a lot on this record it sounds very different but still very it's still very good there i was very surprised that they were able to pull it off as well as they did and um what else i was going to say something else oh i was going to say and according to josh klinghoffer after he had been fired from the chili peppers he said the re- the main reason why they they decided to leave rick rubin was because rick and josh didn't get along because Josh was like the outsider, so Rick kind of treated him like that and kind of didn't treat him very well and shot, shot, shot down a lot of his ideas and this and that. So after after um, I'm With You, they decided to, or it was because of Josh that they went with a different producer. So I thought that was pretty <laughs> interesting. Because you hear a lo- I hear a lot of artists talk shit on Rick Rubin. Yeah, because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> unless Unless you're like in really good, on really good terms with him, 
he's just a fucking shithead. He, so. he's he's like this this fucking blob entity now at, at this point where he thinks like he's larger than life. He just he makes little bitch moves like that. That's fucking dick. But he he's also I mean he has put out some amazing records. Of course you he can't has. deny that. Doesn't mean he's not a dick. He's a fucking yeah. asshole. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bitch so move. Split band members from each other. Fuck out of here. <laughs> fucking guy. Oh man. All right. So. Yeah, that's my number 11. My favorite song is the title song. Uh, the song It just has a really nice, clean guitar tone. Uh, it's layered really, really nicely with just this awesome synth. And there's almost like this also like dubstep kind of bass wobble kind of layered on top of that. There's a lot of different things going on in this song and, and it just works so well. And in the chorus, there's this girl singing with Anthony Kiedis and they just it just sounds so good together. And overall, the album... I think it was such a nice departure because it was much more chill and it was just more just kind of like, let's just relax and just have a good time listening to it. There's not, they, nobody like really tries to outdo one another, like especially Anthony. He doesn't try to outdo it and try to be the forefront in the mix and that's why I like this record. I think it's I think it's a solid record and I have it on vinyl. I got it for, what, five bucks? Five fucking dollars. Five dollars, yeah. So, can't complain. I listened to it on vinyl too. It was great. It's my number seven. What do you got for number six? Go. Number six is I'm With You, hmm. 2011. Hmm. This is uh, the first with Mr. Josh Klingon. And, you know, so much of this album reminded me of like Light Grenades era style of writing. Yeah, okay. A lot of it sounded like that. And, and I don't know, that sort of like alt rock type of sound much later in, in years. But I really mm -hmm. enjoyed this. I think Flea brought the heat. I think Chad had a lot of fantastic drum parts. Josh isn't in the record too much, honestly, aside from providing like background stuffs. Yeah. I I never listened to I'm With You or The Getaway. And I I expected because he's got big shoes to fill. Even even yeah. like, dude, come on. Like the guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like arguably the biggest shoes to fill. And he's barely in it. He he's 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 in mm -hmm. a a a, a I don't know, a, a, an extra at most. I don't know. It was just really weird. But overall, I thought like the melodies were here. Everything was fantastic. It was just a good alt-rock record, and I liked it. And Chili Peppers haven't done anything just this, like, guys, calm down, just write good music. They haven't done something like this in a long time. So yeah. I, I, I really dug. But um, Adventures, with, Adventures with Rain Dance... What the fuck? Maggie. Adventures? Rain Dance Maggie. Adventures with Rain Dance Maggie. Jesus. Yeah, dumb song. The single. Or dumb title. But it did a good song. <laughs> but that, yeah, that was one of the singles. But the bass line, dude, the bass line is hard to pass up. It's just one of those like instantly memorable bass lines. It's like Another One Bites the Dust, that type of bass line. It carries a song. Again, Josh doesn't do much. But it's a banger of a song. And I really like it a lot. I was just overall happy with how this sounded. And I was overall uh, surprised at how little Josh had to do with his album. Which I makes have a sense. little bit to say about that too. Yeah. Which makes sense. All right. So your number five or six is I'm with <clears throat> is I'm with you. I'm with you. And my number six is the Uplift Mofo Party. Finally, right? Their Crazy. third record. I know. How? <laughs> Why? What? What? This is the this was the only record that was recorded with the original lineup of the band of Anthony Flea, Hillel, and Jack Irons on drums. The only thing they ever did together, yeah, it was the third record. 
very strange. Uh, first to be uh, produced by Michael Beinorn, and uh, who they used again for Mother's Milk. And I think this is a really fun funk record with a lot of metal there. Like Michael Beinorn brought in a lot of the metal influence, which I know clashed a lot with Frusciante on, on Mother's Milk, but I felt like it was it was a great combination of those two styles and they did it so well on this record there are some parts that kind of bleed into one another but overall this this record's just a ton of fun it's a lot of fun to listen to and i would definitely get this on vinyl for sure get it on vinyl i I really think this is a solid record you know i don't know i mean i don't know I, i i don't really know what to say about it just that that perfect combination of the metal and funk it was done so well on this not nearly as good as mother's milk but damn it was it was a damn fine record for a very young producer and a very young band a very conflicted and you know disastrous band at the time especially so yeah that's my number three my favorite song is the single the me and my friends how can you not love that song it, <laughs> it is so much fun so much damn fun just singing that chorus it's not the catchiest thing but i i just think of being seeing possibly seeing the chili peppers at that time it would have been so cool like a little venue and then playing the song it must have been absolute insanity oh, so i just thinking about it, it must have been I, just thinking about it it's just so cool it's awesome so it's my number six okay. Okay. we talked a lot about this era already so i'm not gonna go over all that stuff again so uh what's your number five go so but even with my number six these are all ones that i would get on i do want to get on the vinyls and mm-hmm. i so number five for me is disappointing because it's the getaway. Mm. And I should have listened to this before I sold it for so cheap. But number five <laughs> for me, me is, for five? is the getaway. And I, I, This is the most non-Red Hot Chili Peppers sounding album they've ever done. It's, mm-hmm. it's some of the most alt rock or indie rock sounding thing with like heavy electronic inspired soundscapes. So this is the type of electronic indie album that bands will do, but they use computers because they either don't have the talent to do what the Chili Peppers were doing, or they just don't, they're not inventive enough. They're they're not, their mindset's not there, but the Chili Peppers can do it because they are really good and they are really talented musicians and they're hooking up with Danger Mouse now. And so there's all of these, kind of you know icons and this is 2016 like fucking this is like 30 years after 86 96 96 but yeah 30 fucking yeah. years after so these are we're, we're we're like approaching like god tier now like like legendary status for what it's worth we're approaching oh, yeah. the legendary status and like these guys are really 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 good at their instruments so they're able to make an electronic sounding indie record but play all of the instruments. And so like Chad is hitting those hi-hats real quick, like like the 155 from Plus 44, that type of sound. They're doing all of those things, but they're playing the instruments rather than just using computers. So it makes for a really cool electronic sound played by a band. And that's why I love it so much. But the song This Ticonderoga, like the pencil... It's mm-hmm. uh, it, like this is the only time, not the only time, this is the best time that Josh's guitar sound, when he does his solo lead parts, first of all, it's straight up Brian May. That type of like warm, okay. warm, distorted kind of vintage sound, Josh is channeling Brian May for sure. Only in the lead parts though. 
everything else, it's just it's just it's just Josh kind of just I don't know again being in the background, and I thought it was really cool because coming off of I'm with you where he had like really no iconic parts to himself, now we're I'm I'm I'm, I'm hearing him, I don't know coming through, but it's still not him. Because those iconic parts that I picked out of this album is because he's trying to sound like Brian May. Like that, I don't know, that warm, like Brian May has an iconic sound. I know sound, what you that mean, yeah. warm sound. It's that warm, buttery kind of, I, I, like warm, buttery is like the best way yes. to kind of describe his sound. It's, it's super so heavy. Smooth. It's super hard. But yes, it is very smooth. It's just very warm and buttery. And Josh yeah. has that sound here. But he also has a lot of other lead parts that are good because of like what he's playing, not just what he sounds like. And the getaway was uh, was pretty goddamn good. And I'm I I will say I am very very upset that I did not listen to this before I gave it to you. So <laughs> with that, I added to my discogs. Look out for. <laughs> I don't think it's super expensive though. It's like thirty five dollars. Okay, that's a little much. For the that's getaway, a little, it's, it's a little much. It's, it's a little more than five bucks. Yeah, yeah, a little more. Just a little more. All right, so uh, my number five is I'm With You. Tenth record, first one with Josh. And um, uh, I remember the first time I heard this album, well, I fir- first heard the, the single, the Rain Dance Maggie song, whatever it's fucking called, stupid song. Love the song. So... I was interested enough into getting to the album when it came out, and, and I thought it was really good at the time. It was a lot of cool stuff, but this week kind of gave me a new appreciation for it. I do have this on vinyl as well. I got this in a in one of the big lots, and or that, that big lot I got, the yeah. really good deal. So I got this record, and come to find out it's a pretty pretty expensive one, which is really cool too. So um, kind of throwing that one out there too to make you a little bit jealous. Sure. And uh, so I think this is a great record. Top There's... There's a top five Chili Pepper song on this record, oh, and damn. that's Did I Let You Know. Did I Let You Know is, is e- I think right now it's easily a top five song for them. And it has, it's that bossa nova kind of song, and where in the chorus there's also that girl singing in this song as well. I don't know if it's the same girl, but man, the way, the way she kind of harmonizes and sings along with, with Anthony Kiedis is just perfection. And just the just the vibe and the style of the song is, it's so different from what they've done ever, and it just stands out as just this amazing amazing song. Also, the first song, "Monarchy of Roses." I mean, Flea's bass playing in that song is some of the coolest bass playing he's done probably since probably since Californication. It, there's just some great stuff in that fucking song. But did I let you know, man? Forget about it. That song is unbelievable, and overall. This album kind of picks up where Stadium Arcadium left off at with a lot of layered guitars, but unfortunately, you really have to listen for them to hear them because Rick Rubin, it feels like, it feels like he decided to be the Lars Ulrich of the band at this time where like Lars on Injustice for All, that metallic record, he buried all the bass playing from Jason Newstead. I feel like that's exactly what Rick Rubin did with josh's guitars on this one he did they're not they're not super audible every all the stuff that's up front is the bass and drums which is weird too because he usually tends to focus more on the vocals and melodies and stuff but there's a just very bass and drum heavy did he torpedo um, josh in a way that's so fucking obvious yeah it's, it's disgusting it's pretty crazy 
It, 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 it like blemishes his career. Who, Rick Rubens? Yes. It's terrible. Oh, yeah, for sure. Josh for sure, is a yeah. fantastic guitarist. He had a oh, lot so to bring good. to the Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. He's better yeah. than Chad. He's better than Anthony. Yeah, I would say so. I, I, I honestly think it might be sacrilegious, sacrilegious to say, but I think he's a better guitar player than Hillel was. I That's really fine. do. I feel like he he has more range than Hillel ever did. I think John, without a doubt, is the best and that's ever played in this band and also like one of the greatest guitar players of all time. He really is. But I think you know I think Josh just didn't have a lot of I mean sorry, I think Hillel just didn't have a lot of source material. Therefore he was just kind of in the beginning stages. Given mm-hmm. thirty years, who knows how good or bad Hillel could have been. But Josh True. came into a time when there was already an established sound and so he had a lot of source material to go off of. But that's why he True. was so great. Is be, Joshua was really, really fucking good. And I watched a lot of like live stuff that he played on. And it's really, really, really good. And it I irritates know. me that Rick Rubin fucking screwed the pooch on this one. And what's, what's really cool about Josh, too, is that he began his career working with John in the, or like in the mid-2000s, like 2003, 2004. He, him and John Frusciante worked on like his solo records like a bunch of solo records together and then josh was also the backup guitar player for the chili peppers for like six years before even before john even left yeah and then they brought josh in as the main guitar player after john had left so like he he was he had been in there for a long he had been in the whole camp for a long time and pretty much like i don't want to say he wasn't taught by john but he was obviously influenced a lot by john that's why their styles are so similar but well, and John was yeah. highly influenced by Hillel too, so it's he was. Know, it's a weird but band John took that, it to another that level, though. keeps it all like in house. So yeah, that's my number five. Is I'm with you. All right, and go go listen to Did I Let You Know? Everybody listening, go listen to that song. Top five Chili Peppers. Go li- you go listen to it again too, Jeff. Because you probably don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to fucking do. All I have to say is Bossa Nova, and you're like. I'm gonna listen now. No, it's true. I, I love your <laughs> I do love my fossil fucking Nova. Some bitch. So here we go. You uh, ready for this shit? Yeah, number four. Yeah, we haven't said it yet. Four. One hot minute, dude. One it. fucking hot minute. Are I you kidding me right now? High. I knew this would be high for you. I did. I did know this would be high for you because you love Jane's Addiction now. I could not believe how much Jane's Addiction Dave Navarro brought to this band. It was unfucking believable. Warped is the best example of that warped yeah, is the most song. jane's addiction song that the chili peppers did on this album dave navarro is a heavier guitar player and ever since we did jane's addiction i had this newfound love for dave navarro even though i've watched every episode of ink master i love ink masters but now that we've listened to <laughs> all of jane's addiction i i think dave navarro is just so goddamn cool and it's just awesome how his jane's addiction heavy metal alt rock stuff seeped into their music and it worked. Like Dave's playing is rhythmic. It's simple. It's simple chords being like rung out, but while still having plenty of pretty cool solos. It's heavier. Mm-hmm. It's more metal sounding than than anything they've ever really done. Even to like their beginning stages where everything was really frantic and heavy and distorted. But it really wasn't heavy. It was it was based in like funk. So it wasn't like metal sounding per se. It was a little bit different. And I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think his crunchy, kind of sloppy playing, it worked with Kiedis's kind of sloppy presentation. Because again, Kiedis is still, at this point, Blood Sugar, Magic Sex, Blood had just come out. This is their <laughs> next album. 
and he's still developing like his sound. He's still trying to to find himself. He's still trying to be like the Zephyr song, Ketis, that we know and love. But he's not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. And so Dave Navarro's, I don't know, rock star persona is really coming through. And songs like P, where Flea is, is, is taking like the forefront here. Like there's yeah, everything somewhere. about this album I think is just unbelievable. I thought this was this was fucking like 2.5 tier. This was wow. so good. This was, I was blown away. I truly was blown away, especially coming off of Blood Magic. Because I, I, I just could not stand that album. But this was, <laughs> this was good. And this is, and then then just like because like, every week I like to Google or YouTube like top albums by whatever band we're doing, and this is one that that fans tend to either like love and and like me and gush over and put it in like the top three or four. Or they absolutely yeah. fucking hate and think that it was just a, a, a bastard of of their chronological stuff. And I, I I don't know. I thought it worked super well. I thought that Dave Navarro, them asking him, like, hey, dude, come join our band. And he's like, nah, I'm too fucked up on drugs. Even for mm-hmm. your standards. Hit me back in like <laughs> two years. And then they did. And then he finally comes and joins. But he's not like clean. He's still fucked up on drugs. But then they're even more fucked up on drugs. And it's just the amount of drugs that have passed through this band is unreal. And I don't understand how any of them are still alive. Oh, I know. It's insane. Ugh. But anyway. Absolutely fucking insane. Walkabout. Walkabout is my favorite track. That's a, it's, it's, um, I think it's a little bit after song. the song P. Walkabout is my favorite track. It's, it's got a good... It's got a good like Jane's Addiction meets the Red Hot Chili Peppers feel to it. It's a good jam track. It's a good. Here is the two different sounds coming together in one song type of feel to it. Okay, this was good stuff. Right. And it was only pressed like one time, like when it came out, and then really? that's like a European press, and it's on my Discogs want list, and I'm gonna buy it pretty soon. All right, is that all you got for uh, one hot minute? That's it, babe boy. Okay. Well, at least I'm. Oh, actually, real quick, I'm really glad you liked the song "Warped." The song "Warped" is so fucking good. I'm just saying. I'm. It's really happy. Warped is a clear, like, like I don't know, amalgamation of Jane's Addiction and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, it is fucking. It is clear as day. It is is so so good. good. Yeah. It's it. I immediately playlisted it. It's it's fucking great. So, all right. Number four was one hot minute for you, and. My number four is Mother's Milk. Fourth how, you, how is Stadium Arcadium Mars this high? It is not. That's crazy boy talk. Well, you know. You have Californication, by the way, and, and then Mars. That's possible. I might. I might have No, you do. It's, it's fact. I'm not <clears> in that order, but like in that general. <laughs> okay, so Mother's Milk. This is the, um, the last one with Michael Beinhorn producing it. First one with John Frusciante after Hillel had died. And uh, from what I was reading, too, Frusciante had only been in the band for like a month or maybe two months. And then uh, Chad Smith had joined the band like two weeks prior to them going in to record this record. So this is really, really a very fresh band. And, uh, and what's so cool about this record is that it's obviously a departure from everything they had done. But it's also there's so many different genres and things thrown into the mix here. Where in a normal instance, it would the, it would make the record sound very disjointed, but not in this case. With all the genres, it all for whatever reason sounds so good together, and I think a lot of that has to do with Frusciante. The guy, the guy is a fucking genius. 
on the guitar and as a songwriter. He writes some amazing music and being, you know, 18 or 19 when he did this record makes it even more even more remarkable. It's it's so it's just so good. It's so damn good. And then the cover of Higher Ground, the Stevie Wonder song, what a what an amazing cover because it doesn't sound really it it just it's the it doesn't sound really anything like the original. I don't know. I I just love it. it I love this record. This okay. is so good. All right. right. Do you not do you not agree? Well, I mean, you know it's in my top three because I haven't fucking mentioned it yet. So, <laughs> also, uh, Chad Smith's drumming on this one. Chat. It's such a chat. It's such a step up from Jack and Cliff Martinez. I think that was the other drummer. And in that, it's so much groovier like he has this he has a way a real swing to his playing but he you can tell he hits those fucking drums so hard like even even if you were to turn down the mics super low he you could still hear the intensity of how hard he hits those fucking drums it's nuts the guy is powerful and he's like six five or something like that he's super tall which like i think adds to his power too he's a big motherfucker but also my favorite song here is stone cold bush it's this song is the perfect amount of funk, punk, metal, all in one. It's just it's it's just so amazing. And this is right before Anthony Kiedis got super fucking annoying, like we talked about on Blood Sucks Trigger Magic, where it's just way too much. So Mother's Milk. I would I wouldn't mind doing this record someday on the pod. It would be really fun. But I don't know. That's my number four. So what do you got for number okay. three? Uh number three. This was um, this was surprising to me, but uh, by the way, album of the week. Okay, I tried to by say I'd the be there. Way. Yeah, by the way, I'll try to see I'll be there. Waiting for Waiting you. For you. <laughs> He's so annoying. Oh my god! Card shop. Anthony, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Kiedis is so annoying. Uh. <laughs> All right, so that was your number your number three, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, is also my number three. So, oh damn! Let's move on to your number two. What do you got? This was the biggest shock to me. Oh no! And that is the fact that it is not my number one, and that is Californication. Californication is my number two. Okay. And I cannot. Uh, I don't know. Going into this, I thought, no, there's no way Californication will not be my number one because Californication has it all. It has the Chili Peppers at their funkiest. It has the Chili Peppers. They do fast songs. They do slow songs. Kiedis does a pretty good job at a lot of it. He's annoying at times, but he can also like kind of bring the heat, and he's and he's fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. And production-wise, it's fun. Nostalgia. I mean, that's through the fucking roof. Music oh, videos. Yeah. They're stupid, but they're one hundred percent of their time. Yes. So. I don't know, Californication. I think it's a fantastic record. I have it on the vinyls, and I'm extremely happy with it, and I love it so much. When did you get this? I, I, I bought this for $20. I bought, it, was, it was this, and it was two other records that I cannot remember, but there was four records total. It was this, two other records I can't remember, and I bought this with Stankonia. Somebody, somebody fucking sold me this and uh, Stankonia on the vinyls, and two two other things that I can't remember that I clearly sold for way more than twenty bucks. So this was essentially a free record for me, which goes for like fifty bucks online. Ah, that's ridiculous. You should just <laughs> sell it to me, or give it to I, me. This I'll is. Trade, I'll trade you Californication for the getaway. That's silly boy talk. Come on. 
Yeah, five five dollars. You got the getaway. This fucking guy over here. You yeah, you made a getaway on that record. That's no, what did. happened. Did. You did. That that was before I was I was really I was really invested into making money. That was that was in my lackadaisical I just want to <laughs> spread the love around phase. That's right though. But California Cajun, I mean, come on. It's it's a good fucking album. Like even songs yeah. like Scar Tissue. Scar Tissue is kind of like this album's under the bridge. It's it's very much of that kind of same concept, that guitar, Keith thrown in hot with his vocals. It's uh, it's solid. It's a good album. Californication, the song itself is really fucking good, front to back. I think the song is fantastic. It's good. You like that song? I do. Oh, it's like one of the worst songs on the. It is the worst song on the record, probably. I think Keith I think Keith like at best is. I, th- I think. At best, he is a good stream of consciousness rapper singer. I think at worst, he just tries really, really hard. In Californication, the song, I think, is just right on the verge of being one or the other. And it's it's fine. It's cool. I like it. I do like the interplay. With the baby and the way it kind of like all brings together, all comes together. And, and full of bodies, full of bodies, and full of creation. And that like entirely changes the soundscape of the song. And it, I, I think it's really cool. It's very lullaby like. Yeah. It's very cheesy. It's, it's cool. But anyway. But that, uh, that, that interplay between Flea and John is really good in that song, though. Like there are points where you kind of don't know if it's the bass or the the guitar, the way they're just playing off of each other is just so seamless and perfect. Otherwise, that song's pretty cheesy. So, 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 right on time is is I mean, it's that's an obvious favorite. Mm-hmm. It's got everything you want from this band. It's it's every sound you love from this band is is in that song. It's it's there. But I do want to give a huge shout out to Road Trippin'. Oh, this is the song. song right after Right On Time. It's the last song on the album. It's an acoustic jam. Flea plays an acoustic bass. You get such a cool layering of like crunchy acoustic sound underneath Frusciante's cleaner light acoustic sound. And it just kind of like ebbs and flows in such a way that, that Keatus follows for once on the album rather than tries to lead. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a killer song. It's a musician song. song that's 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 got vocals to it rather than vocalist trying to make a song. Because the Chili mm-hmm. Peppers have always kind of like went back and forth as to because Can't Stop is is arguably the biggest example of of writing a a rhythm and then making a song out of the rhythm rather than writing lyrics and then making a song out of the lyrics. You know what True. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly and, what you mean. And I think like like I don't know that 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 song, you know, for, like like right on time's a fucking banger, mm-hmm. but but road tripping I think is a song where it was a mus a musician's song that was written and then key just follow along. Agreed, I would agree. All right, that is your number two, Californication. Good shiz. So this one surprised me too. Um, my number two is the second part of Stadium Arcadia Mars. It's so high. I know, but it was so good. I went back and listened to this twice. This album, Californication and Mother's Milk, I listened to twice this week on top of the album of the week I've listened to three times. But yeah, the, the, 
the second part of Stadium Arcadium was unbelievably good. It, it had, I agree with you, like it was, it was more hard rock, but there was so much experimentation within John's playing. But it wasn't, it wasn't the John show. Like Flea and Chad still shined. Anthony did his whatever his bullshit stuff, but I, dude, John Frusciante really killed it on this one. Just with the the amount of layering and and how intricate it was, and when you listen to this this album on with headphones on, just the 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 stereo mix of it was just so amazing. It just sounds, I I can't even explain it. You just have to listen to this album with headphones on, and just kind of just kind of think about what's going on all around you because it's constantly going back and forth between the two the two sides and a beautifully mixed record and a beautifully just <laughs> written record in general. Frusciante absolutely killed it because at this point, John Frusciante is the main songwriter without a doubt. I mean, from Californication to Stadium Arcadium, it was the John Frusciante show in all the best ways. So it was, come on. It was, it was. Uh, Get the fuck out of here. No, but I don't agree with that now. What do you mean you don't agree with that? We will get into that for sure with the by the way aspect because some of the songs that are There's clearly the base parts that John Frusciante wrote and forced on to flee, like come on. But they were still, okay. On. Well, okay, we'll get into that. we'll get into that. I know what you're talking about, but we'll get into that. Uh, but with this one with Mars, my favorite song is "Make You Feel Better." It's uh, it's just a very upbeat song where the drums just have that really cool way of just driving the song really well. And John's harms with with Ketis are just so simple, but so genius and good. Um, and in this song too, his guitar playing isn't crazy. Like he doesn't do anything as crazy as he does on By the Way, but it's still there when you're really kind of listening to it. It's very subdued, but it it adds so much character to the overall song. And man, he he learned so much from doing by the way into this album or into this part of the album. It, it's unbelievable. Mars is great. If I could buy it just much, much like uh speaker box and love below. If I can only get, if I can get half the record, I would gladly do that. I just don't care for the other half at all. <laughs> yeah. At all. Did you feel like, like for sure too. I mean, just coming off of, of the Jupiter and then going into Mars even just, I don't know, because I, I listened to him back to back. It was a long fucking two, three hours of yes, music. Yes, he didn't do that. And, and like, there was a point where it was like three songs deep into Mars where I realized like this is not, this is where it for sure has, has, has diverged into something entirely different. And that's where I really noticed in the latter half of Mars was when I really, really felt like this is exponentially better than its first half. Yeah, he of he the first half. They got a little bit more experimental toward the end, and it 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 just got more. I don't want to say jammy, but I don't even want to say experimental. It was just, it was different. It's very hard to explain. And when I listened to State of Arcadium, I listened to the first half, and I was, because I, I listened to By the Way, and then I listened to to the first half of Stadium, and I just thought I can't do this. I'm I'm burnt out today. There's I just cannot do this. It was terrible. By the way, it was great, but obviously Stadium was terrible. And then it was the next day when I when I threw on Mars and the first I, I went into I went in with that mentality thinking like it's going to be terrible so I kind of just brushed off the first song but it was the second song when I realized wow there's it's way more intricate and complex but still you know songwriting wise it was still 
just leaps and bounds better than the first half. So the, the second song is where it got me, but only because I went in with a very negative mindset. <laughs> but yeah, man, this this record is is fantastic. This is like him, like channeling the Mars Volta, like because at the time they were touring a lot with Mars the Mars Volta, and John was obviously like really great friends with Omar, dating back to like two thousand one, two thousand two thousand one ish, and. I mean, a lot of the prog, like kind of stuff from the Mars Volta, was inspired. With he was inspired by, and then also reading about more about the making of this record, he listened to a lot of uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer during this time too. I read that too. That was so day. fucking weird. I know, right? He li- he was listening to them every day while they were making this record. Like that's a band that like anybody in the prog rock realm would would just fall hands over feet over whatever but yeah not many people know who elp are like they just they just don't mm-hmm. know never yeah, got I, like their big break or anything outside of just like the prog rock realm that's why the records go for like two dollars <laughs> i it's it's, it's sickening so it's, good and, but then you like you said the the nsync picture disc is like 45 dollars i know it's fucking stupid it's disgusting <sighs> all right so that was my number two what do you got for your number one here it is, baby. I Mother's Milk, 1989. All right. What? All right. What All happened, right. dude? Who knew? Who knew that picking up two fucking great musicians would alter this band's sound so dramatically? For Shanti <laughs> fit in on this album as if this fucking band was invented to just wait for him. Like, literally, <laughs> just fucking wait for him all along. Yeah. It is unbelievier. Unbelievier. It is unbelievable. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's heavier than any of their other records. Uh. It's got more funk on it than any of their other records. It's faster. It's better than anything else that they've done. And I had no idea that Higher Ground was a Stevie Wonder song. I had no idea. I thought that was a Chili Peppers song. I didn't know that was a Stevie fucking Wonder song. I, I listened to the Stevie long- Wonder version. I thought it for a long time boring. it was a Parliament song. It was, dude, it was boring. I don't care. It was boring. It's, and it's whatever. I had no idea that the sample from Butterfly by O-Town w- oh, was yeah. this. No, uh, Crazy Town. Crazy Town. Crazy Town. O-Town, yeah, Crazy yeah. Town. I don't give a fuck what town is from. Yeah. What was O-Town? Actually, it wasn't O-Town. O-Town was the boy band. Was O-Town? O-Town was the boy band. <laughs> <laughs> What was Crazy Town? That was a boy band too, was it not? No, Crazy Town was like the new metal band. Was that a band? Did, but yeah, Crazy Town was the new metal band. They just heavily sampled this thing and and, and their they biggest They sampled single? the one song. Yeah, they sampled that oh, one riff. God. That so one just riff. As, they're they're just as good as O Town was. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, I, I from Mother's Milk. So 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 Mother's Milk. I I was absolutely blown away by this. This this album is is was easily like the best thing that they did and after this came on in my listen through because i did by the way then i went back and listened to everything and after this came on i said this is this is gonna be hard to beat. there's just no fucking way they're gonna beat this even on my second or even on my listen through with californication and my second listen through with by the way there's no way that this is gonna get beat because it is that fucking good it is this album is that exciting and the fact that John Frusciante fought so hard with Mr. Beinhorn, which mm-hmm. which the guy's name, like Mr. Beinhorn, sounds like a principal of a <laughs> fucking like a horrible yeah, school. Principal. <laughs> <laughs> principal Beinhorn over here. Like, Frusciante fought with him on tone. Like, Beinhorn wanted him to do 
who fuck cares what he wanted to do? But Frusciante just fought like tooth and nail. Like, no, I want my sound to sound like this. It's my guitar. And he's he's a newbie. He's like new in I the know. band. <laughs> and the fact that this guy who's like 17, 18 years old is fighting with the producer of a band who already has an established fan base, who've already three albums deep, are now putting out this other album, Mother's Milk, with a new producer, a big time producer, and this like newbie fucking guitarist is coming in there, mouthing off. It's just unbelievable. Like stand your ground, dude. And that is that's that's admirable. That's I I love that so <laughs> much about Frusciante. He's from the get go. He told he told Principal Beinhorn to go fuck himself. <laughs> this is the sound that I want. If you don't like it, then you can go fuck yourself. And even though it was kind of a compromise, it, this album isn't exactly the way Frusciante wanted it to sound. It is kind of what he wanted to sound like and i can only imagine if Frusciante had his way like he had his way with by the way i can only imagine what it would sound like if Frusciante was had full reign over the sound of this album because i think that ketis and chad smith especially in this era really had no idea what the fuck they're doing it's this band is is based on flea and the relationship that flea had with ketis otherwise Flea's the only musician here. Chad's a great, a, a fantastic drummer, but he's a studio drummer. You know, through and yeah, through, he's yeah, a studio drummer. He's, 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 he's not going down like the Hall of Fame as a top 50, maybe a top 100, maybe, maybe. But he's a good, good, he's a good drummer. But for Shante's coming in here as a newbie, as a teenager, bringing something that the, the Chili Peppers will need to put them down in the history books. And right off the bat, he's battling with the producer over tone. Not like songwriting, not not like drug abuse, <laughs> not women, over tone. Yeah. That is unbelievable to me. And a lot of people think that's petty, but it's it's amazing how much tone can change the the tone of a record like the so course of history yeah the fucking yeah. course of history the pursuit of tone my for god's sakes like come on yeah i know oh yeah. but my favorite my favorite tracks is the one-two punch so it's it's pretty little ditty and then it goes into punk rock classic unfucking believable oh, yeah. these isn't two songs rock, isn't punk rock the one that dh peligro played on from dead kennedy's yeah Right. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah these are the two songs these are the two songs that showed us like two they songs. were already two songs that they were already a much better band than before but like yes. like like those two things going together it's just hey we can do both of these things together look how great we can do the o-town song was O-Town crazy? It's crazy town. So look how, look how great town. we can do the crazy town Because it's in my notes as O-Town. Because I wrote O-Town. It's the same fucking town. Who cares? Yeah. How many towns? Why are there so many towns? I don't know. There should know. be no zero towns. There should be zero towns. Zero towns. Yes. Zero towns. Um, but also, I will I will also like to say that that I did not... This was already at the lighter part of, of where I'm listening to the deluxe versions and stuff. And you had mentioned that there's a 12 or a 13 minute jam sesh a demo and oh, yeah. i i will no i will say though that it's a song cool. that made us who we are dude that's a fucking banger of a song right it is pretty cool that is an unbelievable banger of a song and that would be like my number one banger from this album but it wasn't part of the album it was a demo but was that was demo, an yeah. unbelievable song almost 13 minute demo 
instrumental. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was like perfect. Everybody, everybody jammed, but nobody wanted to solo type of thing. Nobody wanted to be a dick and take the front. Everybody just wanted to make sure everyone got their time. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was, it was perfect friendship. And there was no Kitas. So, what are you going to <laughs> do? Makes it that much better. God damn. Mother's oh, Milk boy. was fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. Wait. Fucking nominal. Fucking nominal. That's a new word. I like it. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. No, 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 no. All right. That is your number one. My number one is Californication. This is the first full Chili Peppers record I ever heard. You know, when this came out, I was, we were, you and I were 12, I think, 12 years old. So, yeah. We were young. I, I got this on CD. And I don't know. I this has just stuck with me since I was a kid. I think every song is just so fucking good. The every song sounds so different. It's like I said, like I've talked about it before on the pod. It's one of those albums where every song is different from the other. You can you almost instantaneously know. You can already differentiate every song after the first listen, which a lot of bands and artists can't do. So this this one is really good. I mean, Californication that song is very cheesy, but. Like I was saying earlier, <laughs> you love that, it though. That that interplay between Flea and John, I think, is some of the coolest things that they've ever done, because you it's hard to tell at points who's playing what, you know, who's playing what note, because it's ju- it's just unbelievably <laughs> seamless. But uh, tell me, Scar- you don't like sing along to every fucking lyric that's there, and then when the oh, Alderaan part comes on, you don't like get all reminiscent weird and shit about Alderaan. Of course, far away, but then also, you know, when this came out. You know, I was watching MTV and VH1, like, exclusively. So they were playing these three videos, you know, Scar Tissue, Other Side, and Californication, you know, like, multiple times an hour. So I had seen these videos. I've seen these videos probably a hundred times. Like, that's not even... you watch the Californication video now, this week? Oh, it's terrible. It's It's so bad. It's It's, so bad. It's the video game. It's like the video game CGI of 1999, which at the time looked amazing. But fuck, man, it's terrible now. It's like the worst graphics that any like Nintendo sixty four game ever put out. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Bad. It's so bad. Oh shit! But uh, otherwise, yeah, Californication. Californication is is a great record. Uh, my favorite song, which I think is their best song without a doubt, is Right on Time. Like you were saying, this has a, a little bit of everything that they've ever done. But the thing that that really just makes it for me is when Flea is just doing that insanely fast, like I, maybe a scale. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. It's something stupid. And then Frashante is just singing. Kitas isn't even there. He's not He's not even in the room at that point. He's just <laughs> singing that really high part. And then eventually he comes in. It's like, right on time. It's like he's like galloping in on a horse. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. It's what fucking dumb. But Frashante's vocals on this song, I mean, they're, Dude, he is the band. Frashante is this fucking band. And this song, it's perfect. Right right on time is a perfect song. Their best song. Can't even, even argue very, with that. Even to like the last the last moment too, when he goes, oh, oh, oh. Like the little <laughs> thing that he does at the very, very yeah. end. <laughs> and I think the song is only like two minutes and like ten seconds long. It's super it's short. Oh man. 
it's it's a great song. So that's my number one, Californication. Right on Time is their best song, without a doubt. Damn. And uh, that's all I got for the rankings. This is this is way longer than I thought it was going to be. But these are a lot of rankings. We had to do and, them. And the difference had to be done. The difference between this rankings and doing like Deep Purple or Rolling Stones when we did a lot is that none of these records sound like the other. No. So we kind of had to jump into everything and kind of go over it all. But yeah. with Rolling Stones, you could do like five records that sound identical to one another. Well, that's, that's true though. You know, the first like five Rolling Stones records, come on. It's pretty true. It's pretty <laughs> they all, true. They're all the fucking same, the first five. <laughs> Stupid. But, uh, okay, so that's all I got. You got anything else? I don't. That's it. Okay, so stay tuned for the main episode because we are getting into the Red Hot Chili Peppers record. By the way, we're going to break it down. Try to have a good time doing that. And thank you all for listening. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And that's it. That's all.